They don't notice anything. They're just... So God is revealing himself, speaking, saying all kinds of things to you. You But I haven't heard him. I don't think he's around. Just like they didn't think anything was around. You go, holy moly. There's a bunch of them. And, well, we get distracted. We focus on things, and we think that's our world. And that's all there is to our world. And we miss out on opportunity to see what God is doing. So God is all around you. God reveals himself to you in many ways through the things that are unfolding, the things that are uh, uh, happening in act, just the activities, the uh, uh, well, sometimes the circumstances of things that happen around you. God speaks in various ways. He speaks through the scriptures. He speaks through other people. He speaks through the, um, well, he speaks to you in the night. He has, uh, Job tells us that God is speaking in various ways uh, while we sleep, and we often ignore him. So he's got a message for us day or night and in various ways, and he's trying to tell us some things that some of it's a heads up, some, sometimes it's a warning, sometimes it's encouragement, sometimes I just love you, sometimes he's just saying you need to avoid this. And we go, I'm just busy, you know, I'm focused on my thing. And, and uh, then we discover the bridge is out, which is what he was trying to tell us ahead of time. And he's just all around. But discovering the presence of God is uh, part of this, this whole process that... He is around us, that we live in a multidimensional uh, realm. We've got the physical that we're used to. There's a spiritual that we can uh, connect with and begin to listen to and, and prepare for because that's coming. This thing's short. The spiritual one's long, unending. So like when you're talking to somebody, Davey's going to graduate, so he's a senior and you're looking at graduating from high school. So what's all the stuff people tell them? You, you know, you need to get ready for the real world. You need to get ready for college. You need to get ready for what's after this. So here's real life. All, the, all that's out there because that's going to be longer. High school's only four years. You've got all this coming. Well, let me just share that with the rest of us. This life is short. That is unending. Which one should we be getting ready for? Which one do we focus on? Just like high school kids, it's all about this one said that about me, and that one wrote a note, and that one, and you're going, what? The real life is coming, unending. Should we prepare for that? And that's what we're talking about when we're saying there's, there's this life out there and that God wants to bring that into this life. We are supposed to be praying to God the Father, that he would make this like heaven. We're supposed to live this out in such a way that we're living his will on earth now. That's bringing the spiritual realities of eternity to the mortal life that we're living in a physical world and physical realm. Wow. 
Okay, well, that's just weird stuff. Yeah. Okay, body life. We hit this earlier, 2 Corinthians 12, 2. Paul said, I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether it was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. So we want to hit a little bit more on this, um, that arena. But I had some things I couldn't include this morning. So let's look at spirit body apart from a relationship with God. So you can have a spirit body, leaves the physical body, and then without God, you wind up with, yeah, that's where the patience comes in. The story of Kenneth Hagin's near-death experience is spectacular. In April of 1933, Hagin was bedridden. He had been ill with a deformed heart from birth. On the evening of the 22nd, he took a turn for the worse. His family stayed by his side and waited for the arrival of the doctor. Suddenly a pain shot through his heart like lightning. He was convinced he was living his last few moments. He states, My toes seemed to go numb. This numbness spread to my feet, my ankles, my knees, my hips, my stomach, my heart, and I leaped out of my body. I knew I was outside of my body. I could see my family in the room. But I couldn't contact them. As he tried to communicate with his family members, he felt himself leaving the room and falling into what seemed to be a downward well or cavern. Hagen claims that as he descended, he could see the lights of Earth fading away and was eventually covered by darkness. When he came to the bottom of the cavern, he was surrounded by giant orange flames. He saw what he believed to have been the gates of hell. He says he was physically drawn to those gates like a magnet, though he tried to stop himself. I was conscious of the fact that some kind of creature met me at the bottom of that pit. I didn't look at it. My gaze was riveted on the gates. As the creature grabbed Hagen, a thunderous voice spoke. The creature immediately released Hagen, and he felt himself pulled towards the light. Hagen states this event occurred three times. The third time, he thought he may have been hallucinating the entire experience. But as the darkness surrounded him, he was convinced that this hellish place was real. Hagen tells of calling out into the darkness. God, I belong to the church. I've been baptized in water. Once again, he was at the bottom of the pit, faced with the gates and the unknown creature. But again, just like the two times before, he heard the voice. I don't know what he said, but whatever he said, that place shook. It just trembled. Hagen remembers praying as he ascended towards earth. Oh God, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
I want you to know it was like a two-ton weight lifted off my chest. Dr. Kenneth Hagen eventually recovered from his heart condition. He is known internationally as the founder and president of Rama Bible School. Wow. So some of these near-death experiences are not going to heaven. Some of them like that experiences, uh, seeing another side of things, which in this case is uh, drawing someone closer to the Lord or at least bringing them to the place where, like Kenneth Hagin, he, he makes a real commitment to the Lord, not just in pretense or I went to church or using all those kind of statements. He's going, no, I just, I really need this. I, and, and I recognize there's a spiritual reality that goes far beyond anything that I've, I've seen so far. And he... He got excited about what uh, what God could do, and he began to be part of a ministry in eastern Texas, took, took, went all over the place and ministering in churches, and then he came up here, and uh, the Rhema Bible training and Bible churches in, in Broken Arrow, that's wound up here. There's some pretty cool stories about how all that got started. There, and, and if you read some of the... the um, some areas of theology that are a little questionable with his group, but the theme to use is he loved Jesus. And when it comes to theology, eat the bone or eat the meat, spit out the bones. If there's something in there that's wacky, you don't have to buy it all. So he's got some really good stuff, loves the Lord. And that, um, that story just radicalized his life changed him that's that's one side there's um so sometimes when you find he's from the part of the charismatic group so for some people they go well he's a charismatic so obviously you can't believe him and well some people go he's charismatic so you do believe him it's whatever but this in this case we got another one and this is um uh Oh, yeah, let me put that up there. The near-death experiences can have a life-changing effect, which it did for for Kenneth Hagin. And a person is conscious and whole out of their physical body. So whatever is unfolding, it, they are aware of it, and they know that their body, they know their fingers and toes, eyes and ears, all of those things are there. Their function, they're not little wispy clouds. It, it's a full-body experience. So that's that's what he had. So I have another one. So this next one is a doctor's near-death experience. Let's take a look. Dr. Mary Neal is an orthopedic surgeon who shares her medical practice and her love for outdoor adventure with her husband, Bill. In 1999, they planned an adventure that took Mary on a spiritual journey few have taken and returned to talk about. My husband and I really enjoy kayaking. We enjoy traveling. We speak Spanish. We've traveled internationally a number of times. And so for my husband's birthday, I said, okay, this is the year we're, we're going to do it. So we went to Chile for a vacation to kayak. After a week of kayaking, Bill sat out the final day with a sore back. Mary and the rest of their group kayaked through a treacherous stretch of the river. This is a section of river that's very well known for its waterfalls. These are drops of 10 to 15 feet 
20 feet maybe, which for an experienced kayaker is not a crazy thing. I went over the main drop and as I crested over the drop, I could see the tremendous turbulence and tremendous volume. And as I hit the bottom of the drop, the front end of my boat became pinned. I and my boat were immediately and completely submerged. The volume and force of the water was such that I was absolutely pressed to the front deck of the boat. And I couldn't move my arms even back far enough to reach my spray skirt, let alone push myself out. Mary was stuck. The only thing she could do was pray. I very sincerely asked that God's will be done. And I meant it. I didn't say, oh, please come and save me. I really meant it. I asked for God's will to be done. And at the moment I asked that, I was overcome by a very physical sensation of being held and comforted and reassured that everything was fine, that my husband would be fine, my four young children would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. And I believe that Christ was holding me when I was still on the boat and was the one reassuring me. After several minutes of searching, the group leaders realized Mary was trapped under the falls. They came out on the rocks and they kept trying to get to the boat, but the force and the volume of the water was such that they just kept being flushed through. I mean, they just couldn't get to me. At one point, they sort of recognized that it was really turning into body recovery, uh, not so much of a rescue. My body was being sucked over the front deck. And so what that meant is when it got to my knees, my knees bent back on themselves. And I could feel that. And I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I analytically was thinking, well, feels like my tibia probably broke. But I wasn't screaming. I didn't have pain. I didn't have fear. I didn't have that sense of air hunger. I know I've been underwater too long to be alive, yet I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And this is more real than anything I've ever experienced. As my body broke free from my boat, I felt my spirit break free from my body. And I rose up and out of the river. Mary looked down on the river as she left her body. Then she was met by a group of heavenly beings. They were absolutely overjoyed to see me and greet me, and I them. I knew that they had known me and loved me as long as I existed, and I knew that I had known them and loved them, and I knew that they had been sent by God they began taking me down this exceptionally beautiful path that was brilliant and they were taking me toward this great domed structure of sorts that not only was exploding with beauty and color, but it was exploding with this absolute love of God that was beyond anything I could ever describe or ever 
truly explain. And I could hardly wait. I was absolutely overwhelmed by this sensation of being home, of being where I belonged. But just as quickly, there was this sense of disappointment that descended on everyone. And the spirits who had taken me there told me that it wasn't my time and I had more work to do on earth and I had to go back to my body. After what seemed like hours with her heavenly host, Dr. Neal returned to the river and watched as her friends recovered her body. I could see my body being pulled to the shore and I could see the guys start CPR. I felt like he was looking right at me and begging me to come back and take a breath. And I lied down and I was reunited in the middle of a very remote part of South America. Dr. Neal had been gone for over 15 minutes, perhaps as long as 25. Certainly longer than medical science can explain her survival. She was flown back to the United States where she slowly recovered from her injuries. In her book, To Heaven and Back, she talks about how the reality of God's love has changed her for eternity. All of the promises of God are true. God loves each and every one of us and really is there and is working in each and every one of our lives. That love is everything. If we truly could accept that, I mean, it, it changes everything. It changes the way you view every moment of every day. The fact that there really is life after death profoundly changes the way you approach every moment. So there's an orthopedic surgeon's experience of going through that um, life after death and being able to report back and the love of God and what that does and how impactful that is for her. Uh, traveling outside the body transcends time and space and longitude and latitude. All the things that we're, we are used to changes with that dimension. It is uh, incredibly fast and uh, by comparison to the way we see things, being able to travel, being able to see the kind of beauty that she's describing with that with the uh, dome structure, the the colors that are so vibrant, the the sounds, the the um, kind of things we typically can't hear, just on a just in the physical realm, there are different levels of sound. So as people lose their hearing, certain things are gone, and you go, huh? When your hearing is perfect. You still only hear some because if you have a dog, you know they're hearing things that you don't hear. So there's more to be heard. And then as you start to measure those things, you go, there's, there's frequencies way above what we can hear, way below what. Different, whether whichever direction you want to go. The same thing with sight. We can only see a certain range of the light spectrum, and yet there's lots more. And you go, hmm, that's in the physical realm. What if you move to another dimension? What, how many levels of this exist in, in that 
moment when we enter into eternity, we're activated with all of those other things and being able to take in more of what God has made. But again, we're told to pray that heaven would happen here. We're told to pray that that reality would become the reality here, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And often we think, well, that just means that my, my tires will never go flat and somebody will pay all my bills and, and I will always be comfortable and the AC will never go out. And we come up with our list and God in heaven shaking his head going, that's not, that's not even why I sent you there. I have a purpose for you to be there. All these generations that preceded us had no cars and they had no AC and they had a purpose. And so do we, if we don't get caught up in the other. So it's about making a difference, uh, living this life as she's talking about. The love of God just begins to penetrate all that we are and all that we're seeing and participating in. This space-time is we're locked into a certain way that that works, and we have to do that because of the practicality of it in, as we're living our lives. But there's so much so much more. And for the spiritual stuff, when we're praying for things, we're not locked into longitude and latitude. God can answer our prayers around the world. He can touch lives in, just in ways that we can't even imagine in Africa or Latin America or wherever he chooses. We're, not, we're dealing with something that's beyond this realm. And God has given us this uh, privilege to tie into what he's doing, to pray according to his will, to engage the world and the troubles that are out there. I'm just so upset about, or this horrible thing has just happened. That's your cue to pray and to enter into this thing because God has called you to that. There's spiritual entities out there who are trying to destroy people, trying to destroy whole nations, and we as privileged children of God have an opportunity and a responsibility to pray for those who are facing those and pray God's will, not just keep the air conditioning on. It's praying for the things that go far beyond all of that to make a difference in the lives of people around us, around us and far away even. Uh, she said the experience of life with God is everything that love is that, that had just so grabbed her as a result of her experience that it really, that, and her book is really good, by the way, so it's worth a read. Um, but it does make all that difference, and you know it, you've experienced it, but just thinking about those things today is saying that this isn't it, this isn't all there is, that there's so much more, and that he wants to open up our thinking and our experience to the to to the wider array of all that he has that he's made so pursue the lord pursue the lord that's um, uh we're going to do this from jeremiah chapter 9 verses 23 and 24 this is what the lord says don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love 
and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. There's a amazing uh, truth in all of that. It's so easy to get caught up in this life and that things will... Uh, being the smartest person in the room, being the most powerful person in the room, being the richest person or the one in, richest in the county or the richest in the country or the richest in the world, and you start just coming up with all of these things and, and then pursue them or be jealous of the ones who have it. There's all of the things that enter in that just part of living in this world and operating by in a mindset that is plugged into what's happening in this realm and what jeremiah is reminding us of as the lord is speaking this to him and through him is that this this is a thing that matters do you know me the lord do we understand and know him not not i assume i know him because i know about him this is how i feel about god so whatever my feelings are is it not hardly well i know about him because i learned about so i read a book once or I even read the bible once and you go you haven't touched it yet we're dealing with an infinite being of incredible power who has all knowledge all knowledge not some knowledge and in our limited capacity we do not have anything close to being able to understand or hold on to that we can get a bit and we can understand that he is something mightier, bigger, more creative, more, just more. And you go, okay, that's, that's him. We can get to that place. That leads to humility. That leads to bending the knee. That brings us to the place where we fall on our face before the living God and say, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to be in this room with you. You are amazing. And then when he speaks and he says, you know what? Outbursts of anger do not fit my way of doing things. Unforgiveness doesn't fit my way of doing things. Do you know what that does to us? If we're listening to him, if we know him, we go, you know what? I got to deal with that. I got to deal with the stuff in me that leads me to when I smash my finger with a hammer saying words I ought not say in a way I ought not say them. You go, but that's just my go-to. You know, I'm justified. Not if you know him. Because you no longer have to operate that way. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Then you don't know him. Because if you know him, you know there's something greater. And forgiveness is key. An outburst of anger is just an indication of, hmm, you don't know him. I want it my way. I want to control things. He says, how about you just listen to me and do the thing I've called you to do? Well, Lord, you don't understand. I, I need my... I, I, I need to show that I am something, that I am of value, that I am, and he's crying out from the beginning, I love you. I know every hair on your head. I know everything you've been through. And I'm going to hold on to you. And I'll never let you go. The only way you can get loose is you push away from me. That's the only way. 
because I'm here for the long haul. And he means the long haul to carry us through, to keep us close, to build up that relationship. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. That's him. So all of those 